You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Our guest today has such an inspiring story, I cannot wait to share it with you. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Lake Deptha moved to the U.S. from India 13 years ago and settled in the Seattle area. After doing several successful flips, she was able to quit her corporate job at Nordstrom and focus on residential development. She also serves as an advisor on the board of Certain Lending, a fintech company based in San Francisco. And she's here with us today on The Real Well Show to tell us how she got started and what her plans are next. So Leiko, welcome. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Kathy. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. Uh, like, first of all, how did uh, how did you get started in real estate? Yeah, so you know, I uh, moved here from India in 2006, and that was like a huge change for me, like culturally, mentally, everything. Right, because I was giving up my family back home. Um, I was just like brand new country, didn't know anybody, didn't even know the currency. You know, didn't know a nickel from a dime. It was kind of crazy. Uh. Um, yeah, so I, uh, and I worked at Nordstrom Corporate for eight years and I had the most fabulous job. And so nothing was really like drawing me to leave my corporate world and get out and do something crazy like I did. <laughs> um, except, you know, at some point I was like, look, I'm just sitting here, you know, this is great, but I work so hard to make someone else super wealthy <laughs> and then what's going to happen to my legacy and like what's my story mm-hmm. and I was like the only way I can do that is really by going out there putting myself out there and really pushing the boundary and doing something that would ultimately help me build that same thing for my kids and my family and that's kind of what happened and I started researching different options real estate was not one of them even but we had just built a house with a builder and we said, okay. And I really enjoyed that process. And I was like, maybe I should look into construction. And <laughs> I know what happened. And Did you come to, um, to America because of your job with Nordstrom? No, because I met my husband back oh. in India and he worked here. And, okay. so, and so we got married in India and then I moved uh, for his job. And he oh, Wow. Okay. But he was, he's also Indian. He's also Indian. Yes. Okay. But he's been here a lot longer than me. He came here to do his double masters. And so, you know, Okay. Uh, and so, and then he was working here when we met. Wow. Okay. So, so it's not very often that someone sees a house being built and says, Oh, I I'm going to, you know, be a contractor. So did you need to get licensed or what was the step between deciding that and actually doing it? Okay, so it depends on the state. I was always going to hire a general contractor, so I didn't have to get licensed myself. Mm -hmm. But in Washington state, the rule back then was that if you were doing a small-term project and then selling it right away, which is essentially a fix and flip, then you would need to be a general contractor. You would still need a general contractor's license. So did you get one? Yes, I did. So you just went and got your contractor license. I went and got my contractor license. (laughs) How long did that take? It it's it's just a bunch of paperwork. It's crazy. It's just really. That's all it is. Oh, basically, you need to have liability insurance. Mm -hmm. So if something went wrong with the project that you sold to someone else, 
then they could go back and, you know, uh, basically use your insurance. Oh, okay. So it's like literally anyone could go get anyone one. Anyone can go get one. Oh, I was thinking it was like a two or three year program where you had to learn everything about how to build a house. No, 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 no. Anyone <laughs> can do it. That's oh, it. maybe just in Washington. I don't know. My brother took him a lot longer to get his in California, but, um, okay. So then, so then what you got your license and, and then. You- and then okay. I bought my first house to flip. I didn't know anything about construction. Um, I didn't know basically like what came first, what came second. I just bought that first house. I went to the project every day. I spoke to my contractor and he gave me construction 101. Okay. And that's really what happened. And I learned about construction and okay. home building. Okay. So were you, that's, a, that's amazing. So how did you find a good contractor? Okay, so the person that I bought this project from, they run a pretty massive operation, a wholesale operation where they find projects for investors like me. And they promised me their general contractor. They said, look, once you buy the project, we'll give you our contractor. And your contractor, our contractor can come work on your project. Sure enough, I closed on the project and they said, oops, our contractor is super busy. Oh. So now you have to go find your own contractor. Oh, yeah. And boy, I went and looked on every website. I, I, I did a lot of research and digging and networking and finally had a bunch of contractors. So I interviewed 14 contractors uh, for my project because, you know, every contractor taught me something different. And there were some that were really expensive. That was, there were some that were super inexpensive. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, a matter of finding the right fit. And it took me 14 people to do that. (laughs) 14. Okay. But you got it done and you sold it. And did you make a profit? Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had a fun, beautiful story about my first project, but no, I didn't make a profit. But what was really cool is a lot of things went wrong on that first project because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, you know, I had never been through a project shadowing someone or any of that. So, um, Having to learn all this on my own, I think I did pretty okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't make a profit, but I think what I gained was a, a mass amount of experience, yes, mm-hmm. just knowledge. Um, and so I could have lost a hundred grand on that first project, and instead I only lost five. Wow! Yeah. How, so how were you I able was, to save ninety-five thousand? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I basically, every time someone gave me a bid, I went out and shopped and, you know, got a lower bid. Um, I ended up, I mean, there's a lot of inspection items that came up and I piecemealed it and I found different people to do the work. Um, The market timing was good. Our market had appreciated and that kind of helped. Mm-hmm. So I think all in all, like it would have been a pretty tragic loss and one, mm-hmm. you know, that was harder to recover from, but, um, just hustle my way through it. Oh, wow. It and was your husband on board with all of this? Yeah, he was a hundred percent on board. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, when you take a big step like this, if it's not a team effort, then it's just that much harder mm-hmm. and more easy to fail. And so, um, he was on board and he was the one person that kept telling me, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, 
what is the worst that can happen? You lose a lot of money and we'll have to come back from that, but it's going to be okay. I have the confidence in you to go do this. So that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's unusual. And, but I would say it's not atypical. I mean, it, it is, it is typical that people don't necessarily make money on their first flip. It's more of a learning process. It okay. seems if you're, if you, unless you have somebody who's really guiding you, who's done exactly. it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So then what, okay. You, you got through that. <laughs> you got your learning. Yeah. Then what? So I got through that. And then the next year I said, okay, there's only two ways to do this. You know, it wasn't a fun experience uh, without no stress, right? So I could just go back to my job mm -hmm. at Nordstrom and forget that this episode ever happened. <laughs> I'd be completely oblivious to what could come. Or I could take the experience that I had gained from my first project, go use it to actually make money. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, the thought of going back to corporate was nauseating. And so I was like, okay, let's go out and find another project. So I started, you know, I started calling Craigslist ads and I started calling everybody. I even barely knew in real estate. And I said, I'm looking for a project. I'm looking for a project. And I eventually ended up buying my next flip and I made a 35K profit. Oh, wow. And that year I ended up doing eight projects, eight flips. Wow. Then, yeah. So how did you know uh, that on the second one that the numbers would work? Like how, how do you, how do you calculate when you, when you look for a project, what are you, what are you looking for? Yeah. So the first project I bought sight unseen, they <laughs> basically made me sign the contract. They said, you can't walk the house. You can go around the house. You can go on the outside, but you can't walk inside the house. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake I was never going to make again. Yeah, yeah. And so the second project, I actually went there with the contractor. Now that I you know, had a contractor, I went there with the contractor. We looked at the project. We analyzed the deal better. We said, okay, this is what we can sell for. This is all we can afford to actually put into the house. So let's curb the scope of work to kind of come in within that price point. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we started to do is, you know, walk into a project with my contractor before I even sign the contract, know exactly what I was going to put into it to see, mm -hmm. okay, if this is what I put into it, this is what I would get out of it. And yeah. go with a clear vision of mm -hmm. what would happen. Okay. So you made a profit on the second and then did a few more and I did a few more and now it's, uh, it's been seven years and I've done over 50 flips. And... Wow. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> would you say yeah. you've replaced your income of what you would have made in, uh, in corporate? Oh, I did that in the first year. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's pretty incredible. The things that you can do, uh, with a little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're in the Seattle market. So that made yeah. it, was there a particular part of, um, you know, of Seattle that you focused on? I am, I'm basically in the greater Seattle area. So all over Seattle, Tacoma, um, and the North of Seattle, mm -hmm. um, I really go where the project takes me. So it doesn't matter where in the mm -hmm. state it is, but if it's a good deal, I'll go. Um, and so, and you know, Seattle, like when I say I've done over 50 flips, it's not cosmetic flips. These are hardcore down to the stud remodels, you know? Mm. Uh, I mean, there's engineering, there's architecture, there's seismic retrofitting, there's roof trusses. Like these are massive reconstruction projects. 
Um, and it's not like pink carpet. I wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you can get the really good deal, right? Is, is buying super. Yeah. Expensive. And also I think after I did a few deals, I was like, look, I'm looking for that larger spread. I want to do more with less. Mm-hmm. So like someone in like Ryan Pineda and, you know, I love him. He, what he does in Vegas is he does a hundred flips a year and each of his flips, like he barely puts in 15, 20 grand. Mm-hmm. I do maybe one flip now and I put in 250K. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's just, it's a different market and a different, um, I want to say project. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ours is just, I'd rather go for the larger spreads. So you're doing a higher end. Um, yeah. And it's typically not even that it's higher end, but it's just more distressed, super distressed projects. Wow. Like turn of the century homes. Oh, so they're much, much older. Much older. Need mm-hmm. an update of all the systems, foundation sometimes, roof. Like it's crazy. What's the permitting process for something like that? I know where I live, it, it's very difficult. Yeah. So Seattle was good. For the most part, we can get an over-the-counter permit. Um, sometimes when you're doing a lot of renovation to the house, like you're taking out stairs, you're adding bedrooms and bathrooms, then it can go into a full review and that can take four to six months. Mm-hmm. So it's a long process, but there's, you know, ways to make it over the counter. The city is also flexible. Oh, good. So it's about finding the right architect, like an investor friendly architect. Yeah. Well, when, uh, when I saw you at the, uh, PNW big badass conference (laughs) in September. Uh, We, we went to, I didn't go, but a group of people went to look at a very distressed house, a very interesting house. That wasn't yours, right? That was my friend James's, (laughs) but it's (laughs) like 10 minutes from where I live. And so that was a house like that would take about three, 400 K to fix up. Oh, okay, but just the really dumpster did. fees were, I think, a hundred k on that one. It was a full, like, full-on hoarder house. Yeah, yeah. You guys brought some interesting things back from it. <laughs> don't I don't know what you're house. talking about, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I should have gone on that little trip. Anyway, um, <laughs> a true hoarder house. Yeah, all kinds of interesting <laughs> things there. Um, all right. So, what now? What's next for you? So, you know, as I was doing my flips, right, like back, I want to say three, three years ago, I started researching different exit strategies and I started looking at, okay, a flip is a great exit strategy, but what else can I do with it? And so through the course of my learnings, like I was able to uh, basically do a bunch of different cooler things rather than just flip a home. I started to do additions on homes. So increasing square footage, I started to subdivide lots where I took one piece of land and I subdivided into three lots, you know, um, selling off the lots, keeping the house, all kinds of bird deals, um, started amassing a rental portfolio. Uh, you know, like I said, the Seattle market is expensive. I just bought a triplex for 1.2 million wow. and it's distressed. <laughs> so, you know, just, um, so there's a lot of, lot of cool things we can do with real estate here. And I'm, basically taking advantage of that. So when you buy a a triplex like that, 
<clears throat> you know, it sounds very similar to California market, only it's worse here. Uh, do you, I mean, do you have financing for that? How do you, how do you acquire these? This one was part of a 1031 exchange. So our down payment came from the exchange and then we just went conventional. So we had a conventional loan on it. So it wasn't so distressed that you couldn't get a loan. Right. Right. Okay. So it's a triplex, which I'm going to actually convert to a, a fiveplex this year. Okay. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of value add options with this one. And it's so funny because this one I bought for 1.2. It's right next to Amazon and Facebook in, in Queen Anne, um, in close to downtown Seattle. And over the year through COVID, it has appreciated 400K. <sighs> and it's now worth like 1.6. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. And this is before I even rehab the building. Oh, wow. So now, how did you know you could turn it into a uh, fiveplex? I, like, so the, it was listed as a fourplex in the county website. Mm -hmm. um, what the owners did was they took on, like took over the top two units, took out a wall and then made it into one unit. Mm -hmm. So I know that by just adding back a wall, I could basically turn it into two, two different units. Uh, and then they have a whole basement that is unfinished. Mm. It's full of junk right now, but once I get my permits and we're waiting on permits on that one, but once I get my permits, I'm going to change, convert that basement unit into a fifth unit. And that type of, uh, that's not over the counter, right? So you, that could take no, that, months to get that. We've been in the process now for over four months and because of COVID, like the city is going way back. So, um, that's probably going to take me another three or four months to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is what's the impact of COVID from last year? Is it partly that, that you just can't get help that you need at, at the planner's office? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, everybody's working from home. So no one's really coming to the office uh, before what was like a, an over-the-counter conversation is now like emails going back and forth and it's just, everything takes longer mm -hmm. and less staff. And so it's a, it's a crazy, crazy time for sure. Yeah. And how about uh, material costs? Lumber has gone up like three times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. It is expensive right now. Um, and, you know, even things like appliances that are coming from China, there's like a stock to those. So it's, it's more challenging. That's for sure. There's a but, stop from uh, appliances from China? Yeah. You know, uh, there's been really no appliances coming from China. So everything's out of stock. Um, and if there are, it's very, very, you know, few and far in between. So um, it's always like scrambling to get appliances, scrambling to get lumber. Um, and then if the state, sh state shuts down construction, then we just lose that time again. So it's... it's and have they? Did they... Did they shut yeah, down? Yeah, they did. Really? Then, oh. Back in April or March last year, I think they shut it down for three months. Oh. Um, and then we were back to building again. Um, but yeah, I think now it should be fine. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as far as the rentals, are you planning on increasing your rental portfolio there? Or yeah, elsewhere? you asked me that because this year I'm planning on going from residential to commercial. And what I'm doing as part of that is um, starting a fund and, you know, trying to find good operators to work with. So I'm going to pick your brain after at some point. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because um, I had a long conversation with Tarl about this. But I want to either syndicate a, a deal myself or find a good operator to co-GP with. Mm-hmm. But that's the goal for this year. Oh, good for you. Yeah. All right. So, but not necessarily building your own portfolio. Uh, and then continue to do that for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Continue to do that in this market because it's a very good, appreciating, strong uh, economic market. Are you worried at all about uh, certain laws that would make it more and more difficult to be a landlord? We do have some crazy moratoriums and eviction, you know, but that's almost all over the country. Um, I think as long as we have a good demand and I can f- identify these locations with good demand, we should be okay. Mm-hmm. And so far, so good. And so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's been the case for my us too. one yeah my one property out of state is in tampa florida and that's been my biggest pain point and it's like a little oh. triplex and it's just we had to evict one or try to evict one person and one didn't one lost their jobs it's just been crazy but my seattle rentals are doing great <laughs> oh good are you trying to self-manage in tampa no i don't i am I think my biggest opportunity is in property management. And so I just hire that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. We, we love our Tampa properties. I know. Yeah. Hopefully we'll turn it around this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we got to uh, be in a book together. The yes. only woman, the only woman in the room. Although now there's a lot more of us. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Yeah. So if anybody hasn't read that yet, you can get it on Amazon, the only woman in the room, and you'll hear both of our stories. All right. Well, any last tips that you would give to people on the West coast that, you know, are in a high price market and aren't sure what to do if they should try to invest locally or go somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, I think there's an advantage to investing locally because you are in, I mean, you're, you're there, your boots on the ground. So especially if you're just starting out, you know, best, best thing to do is invest where you know the market. Um, I would say network extensively, find really good deals. And the only way you can find deals is by comparing deals and researching deals. Um, so, you know, analyze, find a good deal in your neighborhood and see if you can make that work. Wonderful. Okay. Well, it's great to have you here on the Real Well Show. It's been really inspiring. I bet your husband's really, really proud of you and... <laughs> And I, I wonder if, uh, if at this point he's ever thinking about quitting his job and, and partnering with you. We talk about that. I'm just not ready to give up his W-2 yet. <laughs> You're not ready? <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> Is he ready? He's ready. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe next time you're on, uh, it will be I a different know. story. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, sharing your experience. And I look forward to seeing you somewhere sometime. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to this and any past inspiring stories at realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.